1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53,
0: basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again.
1: Incredible guests, Sherry great stories from your favorite teams coming this year find us on the odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts
0: the the winds of change are blowing through raider nation and silver and black today keeps you up to date with the latest news and views about your las vegas raiders
1: touchdown las vegas with insight opinions and
0: interviews we're on the cutting edge of what's happening now 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 the latest on your Raiders and the NFL. Your host Scott Goldbranson and Mo
1: hey Everybody, welcome back to Silver and Black today—an Odyssey original podcast covering your Las Vegas Raiders and your guides through this adventure. Yes, it's an audio and video adventure. If you're a Raiders fan, uh, the guy I love doing this show with, his name, Mister Mo and He's a senior NFL writer covering the league for the bleacher report yes and not only that he's the raiders columnist up on sportsnot.com where you can find me as well i am an editor writer there and uh you can follow mo on x.com at mo moton m-o-e-m-o-t-o-n i am at lv gully we record this show on wednesday evening and i just want to give a shout out um and and offer my condolences my alma mater uh unlv of course you've heard it in the news the active shooter uh, gentleman. Unfortunately, I call him a gentleman. He's not a gentleman. He's a piece of crap. Uh, killed three people on the campus of UNLV, uh, where my son currently goes to school, where I went to school. My son was not on campus. He is safe. Everyone I know there is safe, but there are three families grieving tonight and want to send out our best to them uh, and and offer our thoughts and prayers to them uh, as well. Just a horrific uh, day. I mean, you, you go to school to accomplish your dreams, to learn, and you have to deal with something like that. So uh, I'm sure we'll find out more, but uh, uh, my alma mater is hurting tonight and just want to send out my best to them before we get into the Raider talk. All right. So we talk about the Raiders. The Raiders, Mo, here we go. Last five games of the season. It starts this weekend at Allegiant Stadium as they host the Minnesota Vikings. The Vikings are six and six. The Raiders stand at five and seven. Both teams technically still alive in the playoff race, right? Um The Raiders would need a lot of help. The Vikings need help, too, by the way. But it all starts with one game. you got to win that game. you got to play your schedule and do what you can. When we look at these five games, we've talked about Antonio Pierce. He's got five games left to show that he can be the permanent head coach. Champ Kelly has five games left, although I wrote a piece that you can see on Thursday on sportsnot.com where I, I argue Champ Kelly probably and should be the, the permanent GM. I, I've already made the call in my mind. I know we talked about it the last show, but that's where I'm at. Uh, but he's got an opportunity, and then there are players on this team that have opportunities. But when you look at this, what can this team prove? Right? We went in saying six, seven, eight wins. They stand currently at five with five to go. Uh, is this team sort of where we thought it would be? Even though the games and the situation is obviously different than than we anticipated in the preseason. <coughs>
0: They're about where I thought they would be at this point in the season. I don't know exactly what I had their record after 12 games when I had my bleach report live when the schedule dropped. But if you remember on in that initial predict prediction, I said the Raiders would go seven and ten. And then I kind of went to I, I guess six and eleven after all that happened in the in the offseason. I didn't feel too I didn't feel too optimistic. And then you had the Chandler Jones saga going on. So I just felt like me, personally, I look at a team in the offseason, if there's a lot of noise, and what I mean by noise is distractions or some off-field matters or things going on, like you saw with Antonio Brown a few years ago, yeah. when I see that, it makes me nervous about a team's win-loss projection. But it's about I think this is about where I expected them to be at this point of the year. Now, I will say they're probably better than a lot of other people projected them to be. We've had... We've had people on this show say they're only gonna win four games. They're only gonna win three games, right? Now they didn't know that Josh McDaniels would be ousted as the head coach and they would bring up Antonio Pierce. But I said it during the offseason, this team has enough talent to win the football games. To me, the question was: do they have the coaches to staff to develop talent once those players come in and walk through those headquarters? And to my to, to my, I don't wanna say to my credit, but apparently they didn't because they let go of Josh McDaniels. Before midseason, and now you have Antonio Pierce in charge and Bo Hardick calling the play. So for the rest of the way, I would say there's a lot to prove for veterans and young players.
1: Yeah, there is. And I'm with you there. Look, I picked seven games. I think I said the ceiling was nine. And clearly, I just don't think they get to nine. With five left uh, and who they have, I don't see it. That might be pessimistic for some of you who are overly optimistic. And I understand that. And that's okay. I'll be glad to be wrong. But that's where I see it. I, I I can see them reaching the seven win. I think they might. It could possibly be six. It could be. I think two out of the next five uh, is is very realistic. Past that is a bonus in my view. And to your point about the coaching staff developing players, so so you get your Antonio Pierce, you get handed a really tough situation, a tough assignment, right? He aces the first test, which is to get the team unified again, to get the team focused. Uh, to feel good about the locker room, their leadership, and all that. That can't be underscored. He deserves every ounce of credit he gets for doing that. It's a remarkable thing and the sign of a true leader. Then you get to what he talked about in the press conference on, on Wednesday. Antonio Pierce said, look, you know, they asked him, you know, what do you need to prove over this next few games? He says, look, at the end of the day, it's about wins and losses. We need to win football games. And this is the second time he said that in two press conferences. So, Antonio Pierce is very self-aware. He's a really smart dude and I think a good football coach. But he knows he's got to win some games. And so I would anticipate over the next 5 games mo that we won't see a repeat, at least I'm hoping. We won't see a repeat of 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 being very conservative. Instead, you got to take some risks because guess what? You got nothing to lose at this point. You have to be able to try to turn things if things aren't working you can't stick with them just because you think that's the system you're going to have to get creative you're going to have to do things and I think that gives him more opportunity You know, fortune favors the bold right Mo?
0: that's correct I go back to the piece that Tashawn of The Athletic wrote and he said Raiders have to play like they have nothing to lose and that means as you said taking risks but mm-hmm. what did I say last week about results matter right remember we talked about this and I, again I love you Murph but there are a lot of people out there that say, give Antonio Pierce the job now, no matter what happens. And what did I say? I said, results matter. And Antonio Pierce acknowledged it again, that results matter. When's it, the, regardless of what his situation is, what he has or doesn't have on that roster, the experience he does have or doesn't have, it doesn't matter. Because at the end of the day, if you finish the year at 6-11, and 11, you finish the year at 7-10, and 10, you're probably not going to get the job. That's just how it works. It's a results-based business. It's, very, it's that simple. He has to win football games, and he understands that.
1: Right. And, and I get, listen, again, I've said it over and over again, and I'm not going to go deep into it because we've talked a lot about it over the last two previous shows. Fans love the guy. I get it. But it's a results-based yeah. business. You got to do it, right? If this show wasn't doing as well as it was with downloads, for example, Mo and I wouldn't be here because guess what? <laughs> Odyssey's going to say, hey, guys, we like you. You're nice guys. That Mo guy's handsome and he's Midtown Mo and everything, but we're gonna have to let you go because you're just not, you're not succeeding. You're not winning. You're not putting points on the board. Well, luckily, we are putting points on the board, so that's good. But I think he's gotta do that too. If you look at also what they can prove here, remember, it, it, especially when you're on interim staff, everybody knows that they're being watched because they could be, if, 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 if Mark Davis decides that Antonio Pierce is not the direction and he goes to hire somebody else, whoever that may be. All the other coaches, okay, are looking for jobs. That's just the way it goes. I know people said they were arguing with me on X. Well, you know, Al Davis used to retain coaches. Look, this is not Al Davis. (laughs) And it's not 1970 or 85. It's not, this doesn't work that way, right? So now, could Antonio Pierce stay? Perhaps in some role. I don't know. But the coaching staff who comes in, if he's not the coach, is going to decide who that is. So all these other coaches are auditioning, too, for their next role as well, Mo, right? So your Bo Hart degree, yeah, you never called plays, but you now are going to be looking for your job. So you want to show that, hey, over the last five games, here's what I did. Because when you go in to have that interview, you're going to say, look, our offense scored 16.8. Over the last five, we scored 25.3 or whatever the number is. So you want to do that. Antonio Pierce, the same thing. Patrick Grant, everybody's playing for their job. That translates on the field too. If we look at these last five games, we start, we're going to start with the veterans. We're going to talk about the young guys in the next segment, but as veterans go, who has the most to prove down the stretch here?
0: That's a good question. I I talked about young guys, but if we're going to focus on veterans, I will say, let's start with the interior defensive line, right? So, that's the weak part of the Raiders' defense right now. I would say Bilal Nichols. Um, now, I've been harsh on Bilal Nichols last year. He's made more plays this year, but is he a guy that you are gonna that you look at as he's a foundational building block? I would say right now the answer is no. Jerry Tillery has had some boneheaded issues, uh, penalties in, in the past. He's still on the field playing a significant amount of snaps. We'll see if they re-sign him again. Does he get another one-year deal? Does he get a multi-year deal from the Raiders? I highly doubt it. But we'll see in these last five games if he can show something on the interior and provide a pass rush. If we're working our way back, I would say Devon Diablo has been fine. But always remember when you bring in – if you're going to bring in a new coaching staff, if you're going to bring in a new GM, they might want their guys. So even <laughs> if you had a solid year, unless you had a pro bowl or all pro year, your spot isn't safe. <laughs> right. And I would say, well, where Robert Spillane is clearly having his best year and and could be a pro bowler by the end of the season. Divine Diablo has got to continue to play at a, at a even a decent or a high level because he's not guaranteed the spot. And a lot of people will hear this and say, "Well, Mo, Divine Diablo has been playing well," and I and I, I acknowledge that. But again, unless you're a pro ball all pro player, your spot isn't safe under a new regime. You you know you gotta you gotta play at a high level for for a coach to have to say he's not our guy, but we're gonna make him our guy yeah. because he played well last mm-hmm. year so one more name i want to bring up jermaine luminar he's been splitting snaps yeah. with their month for in and out of the lineup where is he going to fit in all this i assume the Rays are going to draft the right tackle whoever is making the calls but do they keep jermaine luminar as a utility offensive lineman is he that guy that just play multiple spots as a backup or does he show something in these last you know five weeks that shows yeah, I am still a starter. I had a rough part of the season earlier in the middle part of the year, but I'm still a starting caliber player. I'll be maybe a low end starter, but a starter nonetheless.
1: Right. And, 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 I agree with all of those selections. I think that if you look at there, the, the, <laughs> there, there are some veterans too. I mean, Illuminor is the one guy that came to mind for me as well. If you look at the rest of the offense, the only other guy you could really talk about is Josh Jacobs. Uh, and what does he have to prove? I, I, I think he just has to keep running the ball if he gets the opportunity to do so. And I, I, our good friend Phil Robinson of, 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 the, of the, the Phil's, I made a steak bet dinner with him. I don't know if you saw it. Um, but he's, he's guaranteeing that Josh Jacobs will be back and he'll sign a long-term deal. And I said, I'll bet you a steak dinner because I don't think it's happening. I just don't. Not that I don't like Josh Jacobs. Phil it goes back to the original <laughs> conversation here.
0: Phil Robinson of The Unfiltered Truth. Over there with Phil Jones. That, that's an interesting bet. I you yes, know
1: it was Phil Jones, excuse me, I misspoke. Okay, I Phil wrong.
0: Jones. The yes. the other Phil of the other Phil. Film, the yes. <laughs> but that you know, I don't know what's gonna happen with Josh Jacobs simply because it depends on the head coach, right? So if Antonio Pierce stays on, there's a good chance you're gonna be buying a steak dinner for Phil Jones, because I'm
1: happy to. he's
0: already he's already said that the run game is the bread and butter of that offense, and he loves some some Josh Jacobs. But if Antonio Pierce is out of the door, then all I would say all bets are off. The other guy I want to bring up a notable player on the offense is Hunter Renfro. Yeah. Now the Raiders can designate him as a post June one cut and save eleven point nine million. About that, if they release him next year, I don't think they will. But if you're Hunter Renfro and you have Trey Tucker, who's a rookie a speedster who can stretch the field something you you don't do. And then you have Devontae Adams, who's a star. And then you have Jacoby Myers, who's arguably the Raiders' best offseason acquisition on offense. You have to be thinking, where do I fit in? Long-term, short-term. So I think he he may, not may, I think he has something to prove that he could be a, still a productive, number two tight wide receiver. And a lot of people will push back and say, we love Hunter Renfro. We love Hunter Renfro. And I get that. But if you're looking at the construction of the roster – Devontae Adams and Kobe Myers to me are set and then Trey Tucker obviously on a rookie deal who could do something that none of the other receivers on that roster could do and if you're Hunter Renfro with all with a bloated salary at this point compared to your production you have to be worried about your roster spot right now
1: yeah and I look at Hunter Renfro and I, I think that he needs to have a good five games not for him but for the Raiders because then he has some trade value like you said they can cut him post in yep. one and, and save 11 million But if he can go out on fire, that would help them because they might be able to get some capital back in a trade for him. And then the only other guy I would mention is Devontae Adams because if Devontae Adams isn't moved, fine. He stays where he is. He's great. What else can you say? But then you look at that receiving core. Jacoby Myers has been very good too, but they lack the speed. Outside of Trey Tucker, they got nobody. The the Raiders need – they need that speed. They need some more speed. And like you said – Depending who the coach is and what system they bring in, if it's Antonio Pearson, it kind of stays status quo with obviously some new changes and I'm sure a new offensive coordinator. It could change, but maybe stay a little bit more minded like they are now. Otherwise, though, I think they, they, that team is if you look at them and I know Raider fans will kind of like, what are you talking about? But it's true when you look at other top teams in the league, they are slow as hell they need speed. Okay. Uh, and for a tight end, Michael Mayer is actually pretty quick. So I'm not even including him, but they're going to have to get, they, they need some speed on the outside in addition to Trey Tucker in the slot. So, so you're right. So I think that's not about veteran players. That's more about needs, but that Hunter Renfro conversation, as well as Jacoby Myers, his deal, what do you do? I mean, there's, there's, there's a lot to happen there. And I think, I think we're going go into the offseason not knowing because unless unless they've named Antonio Pierce the coach by the last game, we're not going to know what system's there and what their needs are. So it'll be interesting. Uh, all right. Well, there you go. That's the first segment. That's what we talked about, the the veterans there. Uh, and when we come back, Mo did a Bleacher Report live yesterday, and he had a subject on there that I really liked. The conversation was great. So we're going to pick it up here on this show, which is about young players and, and who needs to – show that they can play out over the next five games and who is that and and by the way also of the young guys who's already kind of earned their spot do you think who do you think is is safe and has proven that they belong not only on the raiders but in the nfl we're going to come back here you're listening to silver and black today and odyssey original podcast also heard on the air a hearty hello to our listeners in las vegas on the bet we're coming back right after this Welcome back. Silver and Black today, listening to us on the air, on the radio, on The Bet in Las Vegas. Thanks for being with us. Also, we are an Odyssey original podcast. That's right. So if you're listening to us on the radio right now, just pick up your phone wherever you get your audio. Do us a favor. Subscribe to the show. And uh, we are here all week long. So not only do you get the show here on Saturday, but you also get the show all week long, like on Tuesdays and Thursdays and Wednesdays and post games. So make sure... You do that when you get a chance. Mo and Skakko Branson, back with you. We are talking Raiders football as we get set for the Raiders versus the Vikings on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium uh, as we enter week 14 in the NFL. This segment, we're going to talk about young players, right? Raiders have a ton of young guys on the roster, but how have they done? Who must show progress? Who has to, over these last five games, prove that they belong? Mo, let's start there. Let's start uh, on the offense. You mentioned one guy, I think, that you talked about on your Bleacher Report Live, and that, of course, is Trey Tucker. Trey Tucker, I thought when he was drafted, uh, was was a project, and I think he is still. I think he has the ability. He has the speed. He is the Raiders' one speedy dude. He needs to still develop better route running. He still needs to catch the ball a little better here and there, but he's made some spectacular catches this year. He's done better than I thought he would. Uh, how do you look at him and what has he got to do over these next five games so that the Raiders or whoever's coaching the Raiders and, and the GM of the Raiders looks at him and says, we got to build around him versus maybe thinking, ah, he's a project. We got to go find somebody else.
0: Well, right now, he's a gadget player to me. Now, he could be effective on those gadget plays, those end of rounds, wide receiver sweeps, the occasional deep throw downfield off a play action of a play fake but I think he could be a more consistent pass catcher in the slot. But of course he is splitting snaps with Hunter Renfro, who also plays in the slot. Devontae Adams actually lines up in a slot a whole lot. Jacoby Myers is more of an outside wide receiver now, but he's also capable of lining up in the slot. So Trey Tucker has got to split all that time and and he's not an outside wide receiver. So he's very limited in that sense. So if you're looking at Trey Tucker in his long-term future, you're thinking, okay, is he just a gadget guy or can he be our primary slot wide receiver? And this is why I say Hunter Renfro's got a lot to prove because he's competing with Trey Tucker, in his future. Now, as far as Trey Tucker's concerned, if I'm looking at him as an incoming GM or head coach, I'm saying we're we, we're definitely not going to build our offense around him. He's a small slot wide receiver. But he can give us the explosive plays that we've been missing. The Raiders are at the bottom of the chart when it comes to explosive plays. And that's what Trey Tucker can specialize in for this offense. He's not going to get you 100 catches in the season. But you know what? He can average 20 yards per catch, and he can get those long passes down the field and open up the offense. I compared it to how John Gruden used Henry Ruggs III. Not to bring up Henry Ruggs III for what he did, but if you look at how – recruiting used Rugs Even when Rugs wasn't going to get the ball, defenders had to respect his speed. And what did that do? That opened up the underneath routes for the tight ends, for the other wide receivers, and also the run game. The Raiders can do the same thing with Trey Tucker going forward. Defenders are going to have to respect his deep speed, and that could open it up for Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers, and everyone else, including Josh Jacobs, if he is the running back of the future. So I think Trey Tucker has to be more involved. I want to see him on the field for at least 40% of the snaps going forward.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, 100%. And that's why I mentioned the speed in the last segment because the Raiders need it. And it's not because you are necessarily going to have a quarterback that's throwing at 60, 70 yards. In the, I'm not I'm not saying they have to be an incredible vertical team. If you look at the NFL today, even the Dolphins who have the longest touchdown passes of the season and clearly leading the league in all those stats, it's it's yards after catch because he's you have Tua hitting people like Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell, in the stride, yes, their speed gets them in the open, but the passes aren't long. So so the speed breaks it open and it also opens up the running game as you saw in Miami too this year. So I think that that you're absolutely correct. Moving on the offensive line mo, you got a couple young guys up there of Dylan Parham obviously on the left side. On the right side kind of in a in a in a rotational role you've had Theo Munford Jr. Both guys have played pretty well, but I don't know that they I mean Parham maybe but with Munford, he's shown great, great promise. But has he come along so much that you think, well, we have a long-term starter there?
0: As of right now, no. If I'm the Raiders, I'm, de- I'm definitely sure. drafting another offensive tackle. Yeah. There, Munford, while he's been solid, he is not preventing me from drafting a top player at the position. If you remember, Peter King was in the Raiders draft war room, and the Raiders were interested in Paris Johnson Jr. out of Ohio State, who would have played right tackle. They were interested in Anton Harrison, who I believe went to the Jacksonville Jaguars Gosh. out of Oklahoma. Yep. So they they were interested in a couple of first round offensive tackles that lets you know what they thought about Jermaine Luminar. They also gave him a modest deal. Now I like a Luminar, but I, I, I even, I understand that right now he doesn't look like the long term starter at that position opposite Colton Miller. If you can upgrade it, you upgrade it because right now, and I'm sure this is not going to stick, but right now they have a, A quarterback who's not naturally mobile. So when you have a quarterback who's less mobile, you need a strong offensive line. Now, I think the Rays are going to have a different starter come week one of the 2024 season, but you still want to protect that quarterback, whoever that is, especially if it's a top 10, top 15 uh, pick investment.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it. Well said. Uh, we will skip Aiden O'Connell because we've talked ad nauseum about him over the last couple of weeks. You just mentioned a little bit about that, and we'll revisit that as we get further into the season. Uh, on the defensive side, you look up front, too, uh, and it starts uh, up front, right? So you have Max Crosby, not a young player anymore, uh, but with Tyree Wilson. Tyree Wilson, we said it. By midseason, we wanted to see where he was. He's not there yet. Now, we also know... And this is not an excuse because I, I've I've di- disappointed in Tyree Wilson thus far, but we also have seen a lot of reports about how the injury he had, the Liz Frank injury with the foot, all that can take up to a year to recover. So I I I'm not I'm not willing to call him a bust. I am willing to say that he's been disappointing in year one. Now year two he's going to have to prove it. Uh, if he doesn't prove it and doesn't come along, uh, I, I don't have a ton of optimism there, Mo. But I I am leaving. My mind open to him with a full training camp, with a full off season of, of, of treatment and workouts, uh, giving him the chance to do that. The Raiders are going to because you have to. You, you drafted him seventh overall, uh, and, and you're not going to cut him. But uh, I do have concerns there about his long-term viability.
0: Definitely do have some concerns there. But it, like I said, anytime you bring in a new coach staff, you have to think brand new. So the way I'm looking at it is from a macro standpoint. And I know you mentioned Devontae Adams, but anyone other than the pro bowlers or all pro all bro players on the roster are not safe. Whether you have an injury history, you had a down year, you had some spots here where you were effective and then were not, you know, you brought up Dylan Parham on the line, you brought up Jermaine Luminard. Now Dylan Parham, I think actually could be a starter but has he like you asked me with Dan Mumford, Has Dylan Palm played good enough where you're thinking we don't need an upgrade? We're good here. We could develop Dylan Parham into a, a star for the for a decade plus. And I would say the answer to that is no. So even if even if Antonio Pierce stays and Champ Kelly stays, I think they have to reevaluate this roster because if you look at the last two draft classes, it hasn't been that good for the Raiders. So if you're chip if you're Champ Kelly going into Mark Davis's office and you're pitching your plan long term, it has to be different than the plan that you had along with Dave Ziegler because if you look at, again, if you look at those last two draft classes, it hasn't panned out very
1: well? No. And then the three in front of that. So it's five draft classes in a row, three really bad and two below average. So, that's not good for your long-term viability as a championship team. And so you're absolutely correct there. Uh, tell me about everybody else. We get back to – you talked about Divine Diablo in the last segment. I mean, I know he's not a rookie or a second-year player, but he is a guy young and coming into his own. We have to see what he can do over the last five games. Talk about we – we we got young guys in the in the backfield here, and this is where you get up and down with Nate Hobbs uh, and and Amik Robertson, of course, who's, who's passed – the rookie and sophomore stage, but still has played well. When you look at that young defensive backfield, uh, who who really has the most to prove heading into these last five games?
0: Even though he just joined the Raiders roster, I think Jack Jones has a lot to prove because, believe it or not, he's under contract with the Raiders through the twenty twenty five season. So it's not this is not it doesn't have to be a one and done thing. And I pointed out on my bleach Report live that he was the guy that stepped in when the Raiders after the Raiders benched Marcus Peters. So I think he's going to be the first in line to get that starting job opposite Amik Robertson with Hobbs in the slot. If he proves that he could be a solid starter, as he did in New England as a rookie in 2022, I'm not saying that the Raiders pass on top cornerbacks, But then they're not in dire straits at that position, because I also point out that Amik Robertson is going to be an unrestricted free agent this upcoming offseason. And I'm sure he's going to get some offers from other teams because he's having his best year. So it's not a guaranteed lock that Amik Robertson is going to be back with the Raiders in 2024. So they got a plan. They have to have a plan B for that. If they lose Amik Robertson, who's going to be? Who are going to be your outside corners? Because Nate Hobbs, to me, in my opinion, is best in the slot. If you lose Amik Robertson and Jack Jones doesn't pan out, now you probably have to draft two cornerbacks because Jaukorian Bennett hasn't shown he could be a full time starter as of yet.
1: Yeah, he hasn't. I know he's had injury too. It's tough too when when young guys get injured because. The more football they play, the, the better you can address whether or not they're catching on. Especially like a guy with like Jaquorian Bennett, who who has times has looked good and other times has looked bad. But that's that's part of the rookie process. It's a hard position to play in the NFL with uh, with savvy receivers and when you're coming into into the league. So we'll have to see how that goes. Uh, who else? Anybody else I missed there? What about the safety position? The safety position to me,
0: I I wasn't a big fan of Marcus Has he been solid, decent? Yeah, yeah. but I, I yeah. think you. If, you, if your defense wants to step it up a notch, you need a playmaking safety that's going to be, be a ball hawk. Now, Trayvon Merrick has had a pretty good year, and he mm-hmm. stepped it up. But is would you call him a ball hawking safety? I would say no. Would say he's a solid young safety. And I, I think the Raiders have been forced in turnovers this year. But in order to sustain that, because I've watched the the patterns of turnovers and takeaways, that can fluctuate. I don't know if you remember, Scott, the Raiders were like top three or top two in takeaways in 2016 uh, when they went to the playoffs that year. And then it kind of fell off of a cliff. Turnovers come and go. But when you have a ball hawking safety or a ball hawking cornerback, typically you're going to be at least in the middle of a pack. In that stat category, if the Raiders want to continue, their defense wants to continue to make strides, they got to continue to force turnovers because they still don't have enough talent yet to consistently get off the field on third downs and depend on that without the turnovers.
1: Right. Yeah, absolutely. One of the young guys that I think has proven himself, even though he's been underutilized, and I know people will say, well, it's because you're a Notre Dame fan, but I think Michael Mayer, because when I watch the All-22, Mo, I see... His blocking and it has gotten light years better than it was at the beginning of the year. Uh he's he's done so much better in that, and and that's that's huge, especially with Aiden O'Connell back there. He's not gonna move around a lot. And he's a rookie too. Um, I like what he's done there. They they need to design more around him, but he's even being a decoy better than he used to. Like he's his route running has improved. I've seen over the course of the last three games as I've watched. His his play. And I think that that is important. Uh, but the blocking, not just blocking and pass protection, but also in run and run opportunities as well. You see him getting out there and, and hitting blocks he wasn't hitting before.
0: I've seen the improvement in his blocking compared to early in the season. But what I do want to see is him get the ball more yes. because that's what you that's why you draft the tight end in the Correct. second round. Right. You don't right. draft the 10 in the second round because he blocks very well. You want that guy to contribute to your passing attack, and that that was his strong suit at Notre Dame, and I would like to see the Raiders feature him more in the passing game. Forget about Austin Hooper. He's not the long-term future there. Jesper Horstead, we love you, but he's not a big part of the offense. He never was. No. You drafted Michael Mayer in the second round. You moved up in the second round for a reason. Get him more involved in the passing game because he can elevate that unit.
1: Now, I'm going to throw a wild card question at you before we hit the break and, and then go into our last segment where we'll preview the game with the with the Vikings. And that is Devontae Adams. So much around the turmoil with Josh McDaniels and then his firing and then right after, so much has been focused on get him the ball. You got to get him the ball. You got to get him the ball, which I understand to a certain point. This next five games, uh, he's he's said all the right things. And depending what happens, you know, who the coach is, what they do at quarterback next year in the draft or free agency, because they could. They could go get a free agent instead of drafting a guy. I'm just saying. If that happens, what, what do you, you want to see from him um, the, the last few weeks of the season?
0: Devontae Adams, and I'm, I think we may have slightly different views here. I, I think, I want to say Devontae Adams is untouchable. But in no way, if I'm a GM coming in, do I want to trade arguably, you know, well, not arguably, but my best player on offense. Mm -hmm. I I just, I'm just under no circumstances, I'm doing that. There's nothing that Devontae Adams can or can't do to convince me that that the Raiders should just offer him up for trade, unless you're giving me, you know, a top two pick to get Devontae Adams. And of course, if you're giving me a deal I can't refuse, then I have to, of course, think about that. But barring that, like Devontae Adams to me, it what I want to see from him is just be a leader. And that's not a production thing, that's not something on the field. Just be a leader, even with you know, if the Raiders lose the next five, lose the next four or five. I just want to see Devontae Adams continue to be that leader in the locker room because as the Raiders rebuild this roster, they're still gonna need their leadership core in place, especially if you're not gonna resign Josh Jacobs, who's been a captain. So I just want to see Max and Devontae continue to be the leaders they have been all this whole time.
1: And I agree 100% on that one. And I think I think with Devontae Adams, the key is has nothing to do with the next 5 games. I think the key for him cuz I don't I think you're right. I wouldn't want to trade him. I wouldn't try to trade him unless somebody knocks on my door with a, like you said an offer you can't refuse. You always have to entertain those. Yeah. But he may not want to stay. I know he does now and he said all the right things. But depending what the decision around the coaching staff depending on what they do, just like they did last year, right? They, they asked him, and I think he begrudgingly decided to support what was going on, and it turned into a disaster, and, and, and clearly he was communicating that as, as we went through, and it didn't sound like what Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler told him was going to happen happened, and I think that was probably the Tom Brady thing, by the way. Um, but, but to me, if I'm, if I'm Devontae Adams, I'm waiting to see what you do, Raiders, Before I decide whether or not I start going to you, not not in a confrontational way, in the offseason, say, hey, listen, guys, I see what you're doing here. I accept it. I get it. But, yeah, it's not for me. So, trade me. Whatever. Now, doesn't mean he'll be traded. But clearly, I think that Devontae Adams, you're right. To me, you don't get rid of your best player. I think the old adage, and I think it was Bill Walsh who said this, if I'm reading back uh, a book I read about um, his time with the 49ers, Bill Walsh used to say this, and this is the mistake that Josh, Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler made. It's not, it's not Devontae Adams' fault at all. And I think we all got blinded by it because he's such a great player. And that is a team that does not have everything else in order. The last thing you should trade for when you have needs, meaning the last piece you need, is a, is a, is a top-notch wide receiver. I know it sounds crazy, but it's true. If you think about it, you need offense, defensive line. You need a quarterback. You need all the other skilled positions. And then if you have the ability to go out and get a guy like Devontae Adams, you get him because it's the last piece in the puzzle. You got it all locked in. And now, boom, you go. The Raiders did it backwards. They just did it backwards. Uh, and, And instead, they went and got Jimmy Garoppolo, who couldn't even get the ball to the guy. So that's not his fault, though. But they are where they're at. And if they can start to build around him in the time he's got left, and they do it the right way, I think Devontae Adams will be happy, right? Even if it means... That next year isn't a 10-win season. As long as they're going in the right direction, they got the young guy at the quarterback position or whatever, then I think so I, so I think it's up to the Raiders on this one. I think the Raiders need to prove to him something over the next five games and really in the offseason.
0: So you're you're flipping the table and saying he's got to put the Raiders on the clock. It's like, show me what your plan is, not just for yes. the last five weeks, but going into the offseason to convince right. me that I should finish my career here. And I think that's a very good point. Because even though Raider fans are going to hate us talking about this, if he's not happy and he sees that his career is on the back nine, he wants to win football games and he doesn't see the Raiders going anywhere, you can't rule out him saying, hey, I want to play my last you know, two to three years with a contender because it's not working out here. Regardless right. of that, and I understand we're not saying he wants out now. He said no. all the right things. He said no, he no. wants to be here. He said he wants to see it out. That's right now. But as we all know, Things change change over time. Who are the Rays going to hire as a head coach? Who are the Rays going to hire as a general manager? Could affect how he feels about his direction with the team.
1: Right. And he is a generational player. He's probably, I'm going to say, three years left, maybe. Maybe four, right? Depends. Uh, And so if I'm that guy and I've been that good, I want to win. Okay? So unless you, if you do something and I think, man, this isn't it then I would respect it. And it doesn't have to be acrimonious. It could be straightforward. Just say, Hey, look, I love being a Raider. Always wanted to be a Raider. I was a Raider and I always will be, but I want to go win. And you guys are now doing this. And so I'm going to have to do that. Hopefully it doesn't happen. Listen, I hope for fans, it doesn't happen. I hope for, for him, it doesn't happen. Cause you know, you don't want to uproot your family all the time, but certainly it's, I I agree. You said it the best, which is, I think he's got to put the Raiders on notice and say, show me what you got. Right. And
0: he has that type of he has that type of leverage too because as you say he's arguably the best wide receiver in the game. So yes. if, if he wants out teams are going to line up for it.
1: That's correct. 100%. Absolutely. All right. That's going to do it for that discussion. Uh, we're going to come back. we got a little bit of time left here on the show, six or seven minutes, I think it is. We're going to take this quick break when we come back here on The Bet in Las Vegas and also Odyssey Original Podcast. We're going to go over the game. Yes, the Vikings versus the Raiders. We'll talk a little bit about this matchup and who has the edge here as we move along here on Silver and Black today. It's Mo it's Scott. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back. Homestretch here on Silver and Black today on The Bet in Las Vegas. If you're listening to us on the radio, if you're listening to us on our original odyssey sports podcast we certainly appreciate it make sure you subscribe to the show wherever you get it if you're watching us on youtube thank you for the subscribe and hitting that notifications bell as the chat continues to be great in there all right mo the game against the vikings coming up on sunday at Allegiant stadium we look at the vikings six and six boy we you and i were talking about before we started the show if you look at as you can hear my notes if you look at the vikings i'm gonna start with them the vikings schedule after they play the raiders At 1.05 p.m. on Sunday, they then go to Cincinnati, which suddenly has some hope with the way Jake Browning played the other night. Then they have to play the Lions on Christmas Eve, the Packers on New Year's Eve, and then the Lions again the next week. They have to play the Lions two of the next three weeks along with the hot Packers, the Packers who are playing themselves into playoff position in the NFC. Uh, This seems to be, for me, when I look at it, the Vikings got to be looking at this game and saying, look, the last four weeks are going to be tough, including two road games, one against uh, the AFC runner up and then one against the one of the hottest teams in the league, which is the Detroit Lions. They they got to come into Las Vegas thinking, you know, we, we got to win this game.
0: Absolutely, and I know Raider fans are going to hear this, but the Vikings are probably looking at this game as if this is the easiest game on our remaining schedule. Not an yes. easy game. Not that the Raiders are a tomato can, but compared to the the p- opponents that you just write off, and I know the Raiders beat the Packers early in the season, but if you've been paying attention to the Packers and Jordan Love, they've been rolling in recent weeks. They're on a hot streak. So if you're looking at this, if you're the Vikings, look at the schedule, you're saying we have to go on a roll. coming out of a bye week. By the way, just like the Raiders are. And we have to make this game count because we got to face the division leader twice. We got to play another division game. So if you're the, if you're the Vikings, you're you're thinking this team scores less has scored less than what eighteen points in three consecutive games. I know we have a backup quarterback without Kirk Cousins, but we have Justin Jefferson coming back off of an injury. We have Jordan Addison, who's been a an impressive first round rookie. Yeah. We should be able to put up points on this Raider defense. And get the win and get back over 500.
1: Yep, exactly. And and that's, that's how you got to look at it. And then you look on the other side of the fence, and that's the Raiders also, uh, their schedule, where we looked at the back of the schedule and said, well, yeah, the Chiefs, the Chargers, okay. But the Vikings, the Colts, the Broncos, the Broncos have surged, as you guys all know what they've been able to do, uh, and they, they play them, they finish up the season in what will be a flexed game of some sort on the 6th or 7th. We don't have determination on when it'll play, but they got to go to Chargers on a short week, by the way. They, they host the Chargers in Las Vegas after the Vikings on Thursday Night Football this coming week. And then they then play, they get a longer week, and they get to play on Monday night, so they get one of those things they call a mini-bye, right, between uh, the 14th and the 25th. So they play on Christmas Day uh, against the Chiefs, and then the Colts are playing themselves into the AFC South race or at least the AFC wildcard race so the Raiders don't have a cakewalk either and so if you look at this Minnesota Vikings game with the exception of maybe even though the Colts are hot you look at the Colts and you go okay how far can they continue this also is a game like they're saying okay we got to win this game because this is one of the games that I think we're more evenly matched in and matched up well against the Vikings
0: not only that, but you're looking at this game if you're the Raiders and thinking if we fall the five and eight, you could start to fire out the mock drafts, right? Because if you go to if you drop the five and eight with the Chiefs still on your schedule on Christmas, I know the Chiefs aren't the same juggernaut team they were in the past, but they did spank the Raiders not too long ago, right? So you have to remember that if you fall the five and eight then your 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 focus kind of shifts to eva- a full evaluation mode as i call it And we talked about it in the first, in the second segment that at that point you're not not that winning is not important but you understand that your slim playoff hopes are probably not going to pan out so you have to look at a lot of the young guys. You'll probably see a lot of younger players play in those last four games if the Raiders lose this game and lose embarrassingly. Even if they lose this game, you probably see a little more young players in those last four games in evaluation mode. But if you're the Raiders, you know I hate to say must win. But if you're have, if you one of those people who say the Raiders have a chance to make the playoffs, this is a must-win game for you.
1: Yeah, and you look at what the Vikings, the Vikings on defense – uh, they're last in the league in in sacks. They have sixteen takeaways. That's two more than the Raiders. They're minus eight in differential. The Raiders are minus seven. So the Vikings defense is not overall spectacular, but they're not terrible. I would I would put them a little bit ahead of the of the Raiders, uh, but they do give up a tunnel yards. They give up more yards on defense than the raiders do per game is 350 to 343 passing again also encouraging they give up an average of 258.6 a game and they give up 92 on the ground uh the raiders unfortunately give up 127 you were talking about madison and what he's been able to do so you look at that uh and and the and the rushing uh, sorry on rushing defense the the vikings give up on average just below 100 yards Uh, The Raiders gain about 82. So, this might, this is going to be another Josh Jacobs game, I would imagine, that they're going to have to get the ball to him, uh, establish the run, get some pressure off Aiden O'Connell, get him to distribute the ball much like he did the last game, uh, but do it consistently instead of kind of uh, reverting back into conservative mode and not letting him throw the ball. And that doesn't mean long, that means just getting the ball out quickly, getting the ball. In the middle of the field getting it to michael mayer getting it to jacoby myers getting it to all of his weapons and really spreading the ball around
0: now i'm not saying i would get away from the run game but i would still test the vikings young secondary mm-hmm. they drafted a guy to usc that i really like their cornerback in makai blackman uh byron young is there after some time in arizona now the secondary is better the Vikings secondary is better now than it was early in the season but you got Devonte Adams, and I talked about Jacoby Myers having a great year with the Raiders, being their best offseason season acquisition on offense, or maybe overall. I think you have to give those guys a chance, especially if they're in one-on-one situations to beat the Vikings' corners, and I think that could be the key to the game. Again, you have arguably the two—you're going to have arguably the two best wide receivers in the game on the field at the same time. I know Dolphins fans are screaming at me about Tyreek Hill, who's in the MVP conversation. By the way, he's not going to win it; that's a quarterback award. But you're arguably going to have two of the best wide receivers. (laughs) You're right. You're going to have arguably the two best wide receivers in the game on the field, not at the same time, but alternating drives. So I think the Raiders, not that they get caught up in that wide receiver battle, but I think they're going to like their matchups on the outside with Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers against the Vikings corners.
1: Absolutely. Okay, so give me your prediction. Don't have to give me a score. You can give me a score if you want, but uh, who wins this game?
0: Raider fans are going to hate me for saying
1: this. <laughs> You're whispering to yourself. You got you to gotta say it out loud, right? Ra- 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 Raider uh, fans
0: are going to hate me. They're going to hate me for that's why I whispered it because they're going to hate me for saying this. <laughs> I put out my bleacher report uh, NFL picks on Thursday, early Thursday. Check those out. I, I, it's on X. I tweeted it, posted it, whatever you want to call it. I have the Vikings winning 24 20. Um, the Raiders not scoring twenty points in three consecutive games kind of kind of worries me going against Brian Flores. I have my question marks about Brian Flores as a head coaching candidate, but he can coach a defense, and I think he's going to give Aiden O'Connell some some problems. Uh, not just when people are going to assume that oh he's going to blitz going to blitz because that's been a hallmark of his defense, but he's shown that he's willing to back off of that if need be. So I I would say if you're Aiden O'Connell. Expect the unexpected. You may get you may get cover zero, you may not get cover zero. You may get a, a defense that that plays man press. You c- expect the unexpected from Brian Flores because he's very good at mixing it up. And I would say that's that being with Ainel Collins' inexperience and Brian Flores' ability to dial up things between the blitz and and non blitzing schemes. It worries me for the Raiders' offense that hasn't scored a lot of points in recent weeks. So with the Vikings. Attacking possibly that Raiders interior with Alex, Alexander Madison, who you mentioned, and Ty Chandler, who's one of my fantasy football sleepers. By the way, I think those guys are going to be a little too much for the Raiders to keep up with offensively.
1: I think that's a fair assessment. I'm going the other way, Mr. Moten. You ready for uh-huh. this? I know people will be surprised because they're like, because oh, 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 oh. So I'm negative, realistic God. usually, but I think I think the off week. I'm going to give the benefit of the doubt here to the Raiders coming up with an offensive game plan that is going to push the envelope, okay? Like you said, you got to go balls out now. The, the, the conservative crap doesn't work. It's not going to help you right now with five <laughs> games to go. So I think the Raiders win this game on a field goal, 27-24. Yeah, yeah, they're going to score 27 points. First time uh, other they scored 30. That was the one other time. But I, th- I think the key to this is, and I'm calling it right now so you guys can make fun of me if I'm wrong, I, I, th- I, I like what you said. I think they're going to have to run the ball, and they will early, but that will open up the pass. And I think Aiden O'Connell has his best game as a pro. And I think you're right. I think he gets Jacoby Myers. I think Jacoby Myers has a touchdown. I think Devontae Adams has a touchdown. You add in the next touchdown, a Josh Jacobs close one in the red zone, and Daniel Carlson wins it for them late in the game. But it's going to be close, uh, and they have to have a couple things bounce their way. I think Josh da- Dobbs, I love the story. Good dude. I wish him the best. I think the clock strike midnight, and I think the Raiders are going to have a good game against them, even with Jefferson back. I think I think they're going to have the upper stand there. So I'm picking the Raiders. How about that?
0: Here's what I'll say about this. And one thing we didn't mention, this could be a Daniel Carlson revenge game if you have him kicking the game-winning field goals. Remember, the Vikings drafted him and gave up on him, Quickly. and he winds up with the Raiders. So that could, be, that could be a narrative that gets played up. Of course, we don't talk about kickers too much. But I think... If the Raiders win the way it would look like, and we both talked about it, I think it would have to be a big Devontae Adams game. Again, yeah. Not that they go away from the run, but the Vikings are better against the run than they are against the pass. Right. And I think Devontae Adams is going to have a big game, and or Je- J- Jacoby Myers, maybe Hunter Refro gets sprinkled in there. Maybe we see Trey Tucker. After it has had Trey a week Tucker. off to kind of regroup, maybe we see Trey Tucker catch Michael multiple big... Michael Mayer. Maybe we see both those guys catch multiple... Uh, big passes down the field. And it, again, the Raiders get those explosive plays. They got a shot to beat the Vikings. I also think it's going to be close. Like I said, I don't think it's yeah. going to be a blowout. No. Because I think no, no. these teams are more
1: evenly meshed than other people think. 100%.
0: But if, it, if the Raiders win, they're going to have to have a big game from one of their pass catchers or multiple of their pass catchers.
1: And the quarterback. Aiden O'Connell's got to have a really good game. Turnover free, obviously. But he's also got to make passes. right? He's got to have this mm. quick release, which he's been pretty good at. But I, what I want to see the Raiders do, and sometimes it's taken away and I get it with coverage, but you got to use the middle of the field, man. Use the middle of the field and get yards. Get chunk yards here and there. Don't just go vertically down the sideline. Try to take what you can get over the middle. Get five yards, get eight yards, get 10 yards, and then hit the the big one, like you said. Hit the big one to Devontae or hit the big one to Jacoby Myers or Trey Tucker coming across, so so yeah, I think it'll be fun game. Uh, and I, I don't like you said these teams are pretty evenly matched in many ways, and so we'll see how it all rolls out. But it'll be fun. Mo, I know you have a Bleacher Report lives before and after the game, correct?
0: Uh, at this point of the season, just after the game, just after, um, just after the game when the Raiders are on prime time, then I'm on before it. This being not a prime time game. Just on after, which is fine with me. I usually chop it up with fans before the game, see how they're feeling about the Raiders, what their temperature is or their confident level confidence level is in the team going into the game. I you know, I haven't been on the X very much this past week. Been busy, been handling some things. A lot of people will say, Wow, you probably um were just buying a bunch of crap because your background looks different. But <laughs> I was doing more than that. It was uh, a new set. <laughs> <laughs> I was doing more than that with the past week and, and with Raider Nation, it seems like a lot of people are just looking forward to the draft. I don't want to say they're checked out of the season yet because there's slim hopes there, but there's more excitement for who are they going to draft that quarterback versus winning the next game. I know that doesn't—that's not for all fans. I'm not saying that's all fans, but from the people that I've talked to, it's more about okay, yeah, we got the Vikings, but. Who are we going to draft in the first round of 2024 to replace Aiden O'Connell and be our quarterback? Because the Raiders fans are starving for a franchise quarterback. And what I will say is, while this is not something to look forward to because it's already out, I put an article out on SportsNot and I titled it that the Raiders have to revamp or modernize the archaic quarterback room that Josh McDaniels built. He has three quarterbacks who aren't natural movers. And I think the Raiders have to add not just one quarterback, but two more quarterbacks to catch up with the times because Josh McDaniel's idea of the uh, idea of the ideal quarterback is very outdated. Remember, he had most of his success with Tom Brady, who's a pocket passing quarterback. And he got Jimmy Garoppolo, who's not very mobile. You got Aiden O'Connell who doesn't who can't move very much. And you got Brian Hoy, who's fifty eight years old. No offense, Scott. But I mean you have to modernize the quarterback room. And I think that's a lot of fans are focused on, but <laughs> and, 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 I will say this game is going to be entertaining with the Vikings.
1: Yeah. And it blows my mind though. I was right before we got on the show, I was going back and forth with one of, one of our listeners. Uh, we were disagreeing uh, vehemently about mobile quarterbacks. <laughs> he, he copied you on it too. It's like eight of the nine last quarterbacks were pocket. I'm like, they're all gone. They're gone. Brady's gone. <laughs> right. All those pocket passers are gone. So you can say, well, eight of the last nine have not been mobile quarterbacks. It doesn't matter. Things change on a dime, my man. Things change, and the NFL has changed. If you look at the top 10 quarterbacks right now, one, you could qualify as a pocket passer, right, which is um, uh, Goff, and even he moves better than an Aiden O'Connell. He's not a big mobile quarterback, but he moves more than a Tom Brady or a Jimmy Garoppolo. So, again, people confuse. Well, quarterbacks that run, ah, that's different than being mobile. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is not a running quarterback, but he's a mobile quarterback, right? Tua, not a, mo- not a running quarterback, although he can run occasionally. He is a mobile quarterback. Out of the pocket, with your legs, create things down the field. That's what you do. If people don't see that, I can't help you. Come back in two years and tell me I'm right.
0: I like the I like the Trevor Lawrence and Joe Burrow comparisons when you talk about mobile versus running quarterbacks. They're yes. not running quarterbacks. They're not Lamar Jackson and Lamar Jackson is not a running quarterback either, but what I mean by running quarterback is those guys aren't going to burn you for 20 yards downfield and juke you. Lamar Jackson, he can do that, right? But Joe Burrow and Tre- Trevor Lawrence, they can move when necessary. Right. They don't rely on it, but when necessary they can do it. And with Aiden O'Connell is when it's necessary for him to move, he's not very good at it. <laughs> so the Raiders need to add some athleticism to their quarterback room is my, And a
1: key my distinction, Mo, is that, yes, when you are a mobile quarterback, you still have to throw well from the pocket. No question. Right? So you, but if you are a, pa- I talked to Dr. David Chow, I did a story up on Sports Not about injuries, quarterback injuries. And he brought up the good point. He's like, look, I was in the NFL for 17 years. He worked with Phillip Rivers. He worked with a couple of the L.A. quarterbacks. He said, those guys were freaking statues. They didn't run. They got the ball out quick. But as the game, he said, now the game's changed. Like, you you cannot be a pure pocket passer anymore. You just can't. So it's amazing that people are holding on to, and they look back at the Super Bowl record and say, Tom Brady, Tom Brady, Tom Brady. And Tom Brady won freaking six of seven that he was in, okay? So that's one guy. But again... (laughs) You can't do it anymore. It changed the way the offenses, the way the defenses are playing now. You just can't do it anymore. Doesn't mean there won't be outliers. There's always outliers. Always guys who can do it. Now, I had the conversation on our Sports Not show before we go, and I'm extending the show now, and I'm sorry to do that, but I had the conversation with Ryan DiRude from the LA Football Network, and I said, you have to develop court. Like, if you have a more pocket passer as your backup who can come in and spell a guy who's out for a game or whatever, that's fine. I'm not saying you can't have an Aiden O'Connell, for example, as a guy that you go to in a tough situation because he could still win a game for you. It's just not optimal in today's league to be a statue. Okay, that's the point. So there will always be pocket passers, less athletic guys. But if you're going to win and be the next Kansas City or the next Cincinnati or the next Jacksonville, you've got to have a guy who can do it.
0: Right. So t- just to put a point, a bow on my point is there are mobile quarterbacks who can evade pressure if necessary. And there are unicorns out there, mobile quarterbacks who can run like Lamar Jackson, like Josh Allen, Jalen Hurts. who put a little weight recently, a little bulkier, not as mobile as he used to be. But still, he could get you for 20 yards, 25 yards down the field. Those are, I would say, Lamar Jackson being the prime example. Those are outliers, but you just want to have the tools to be able to move if your offensive line breaks down for whatever reason. If you want to bring up the Tom Brady situation with his teams, Tom Brady has always had a pristine offensive line. That's always. just not the reality in today's league. And my, my buddy uh, Sobo, Brent Sobleski of Bleach Report, talks about this Almost every week, the offensive line play is not as good as it used to be 20 years ago because there are less physical practices. And that goes back to the collective bargaining agreement. So there are some fundamental reasons why offensive lines aren't performing as good as they used to. And that's why you need a mobile quarterback.
1: And that's a really great point by Brett, because not only is it because of the lack of contact and practices, it also is two other things in my view. One is if you look at the college game and the sets they have in college versus the pro passing sets in the NFL they don't have the same sets they don't they don't have it it's just not they don't get the they don't get the familiarity with it but number 2 is the fact that if you look at the offensive linemen in these offenses now going back when when you were just uh, uh, still in diapers and I was I was watching football <laughs> mo um The more traditional pocket passers day, right? You had your offensive line, and then guess what? You had a tight end who didn't catch passes. They were an extra blocker. Oh, and then you had a fullback, right? Because you didn't have four or five wideouts or four or five people in routes going out and spread offenses. You didn't have it. So guess what other guys did? They didn't go out on passes. They blocked. So not only is offensive line fall playing, just like Brett said, it's also the offenses you have less protection which is why you also need a mobile quarterback. So it's all inter intertwined when you look at the modern NFL.
0: I just want to make it clear. We're not crapping on Aiden O'Connell because I said exactly what you just said in my sports not piece. It's fine to have an Aiden O'Connell as a, as a spot starter, as a backup quarterback. There is a place for that in today's league. Backup quarterbacks are valuable in the NFL. We're seeing all the quarterback injuries. Look at Joe Burrow. Trevor Lawrence had a nasty injury. Deshaun Watson's out in Cleveland, even though they looked like a Super Bowl roster. So you need that backup quarterback who could be a spot starter and be a pocket passer and deliver the ball accurately. That's valuable. But as you said, it's just not optimal in today's offenses.
1: It's not optimal. And like you said about Tom Brady, if Aiden O'Connell had the best line in the NFL, then you could, you, could, you could stick with him. I mean, if you had a line that was pristine, like Brady had when he was with the Patriots, then Aiden O'Connell is going to be successful no matter what. So, again, there's always outliers, and you can be successful in that position, although you limit the type of offense you can run. And so as defenses get smarter and faster and stronger, guess what happens? You become at a disadvantage. So you have to go with the way that the league is going, uh, and that's the way it's going. Whether you like it or not, it just is. So you can come back and tell us we're right later. Uh, Mo, all right, man, that's going to close it out for this show. We appreciate you guys being with us. Make sure you subscribe if you can. If you're listening to us on the radio in Las Vegas, Just want to reiterate um, our our condolences and uh, sending out our prayers to my alma mater, UNLV, the whole community there, and of course to those that lost their lives and their families will be on my mind uh, as as, uh, that was a place where uh, I grew up, met my wife, you name it, and uh, my son goes there now currently too. So uh, our best out to everybody in Las Vegas, to UNLV. Of course, having to go through two things like this, including October 1st uh, back in the day is not good, so... um, You will be all in our thoughts here. But for everyone here, including our producer, Mike Rabier, former Moten, I'm Scott Branson. This has been Silver and Black Today. We will see you guys next time. Take care.